Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host Mandy and the podcast is a proud member of the Podbelly Network. So what's the Podbelly Network you say? Well it's a great place to find a whole group of podcasts. Anything that you could want from Star Wars to Stephen King to fiction to ghosts (laughs) to, to paranormal to pretty much anything in between. So I want to give shout outs to a few of the other podcasts on the Podbelly Network. Um, There's Changing Hearts and Minds, Hillbilly Horror Stories, Graveyard Shift, and Nerds on Topic. So head over there, podbelly.com, check them out. Podcast is a member on there as well. So, you know, you may want to check out my pod over there as well, but listen to some others. (laughs) So I am doing something, I always say it's a bit different, but every topic is different, right? Because that's sort of how... They are, they're not the same. (laughs) For this one, I am doing, I guess, like a local, not really legend, but it's a local thing. Um, There's a lake in my town that has this weird circle under the water. And I thought it'd be kind of interesting to give a little background on the lake and a little background on the circle itself. Um, You can see in the show art for this episode, a picture of the circle. As well as if you go to my website, logiegloss.com, and click on the link for this episode, there will be a couple more pictures of of the circle, <laughs> the circle in the lake, um, probably on Instagram too, at the podcast pod on Instagram. So this is, uh, yeah, it's something different. <laughs> Everything's different. So where I live in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada, there is a man-made lake on the north side of town called Boulevard Lake. It is, um, what is it? So it's a lake that is surrounded by 650 acres of parkland and there's bluffs on one side of the lake. There's a dam, there's a beach, there's, I guess everything. So it's anything that you would think of as like a regular lake, but it's in the middle of town or in the middle of part of town. So it's, you know, not something you have to drive out of town to get to. The the lake itself um, was basically, I don't really say the lake was founded, um, but in 1901-1902 there was a dam that was constructed on a river called Current River, which is what part of town on the north end is actually called, and it was constructed as a source of electric power because we have a lot of hydropower where I live. and. And the, during the construction of this dam, it resulted in the lake being created. So first it was a reservoir, and then it turned into a lake. Um, the town that is part of, so in my town in Thunder Bay, is actually two other towns that merged in the 60s to become Thunder Bay. So there was Port Arthur on the north end and Fort William on the south end. Boulevard Lake is in Port Arthur on the north end of town. And in... The history of it is in 1893, the town of Port Arthur purchased um, acres of land from James Lyon, who was a landowner at the time, and they continued to acquire land um, until they had enough for the reservoir. And there was, I guess, a few conditions that was on the sale of land, and they were that a public roadway be constructed that surround the reservoir, and this would be called Lyon Boulevard, and it's still there that the city is free to sell not more than one-third of the land 
and that the city named the park the Parkland Lion Park and then it'd be maintained as a public park. And so with the sale of, you know, the land, the guy wanted to make sure that it was accessible and that it was public and it wasn't going to be used for, you know, some kind of weird private use or something. Um, and that in 1914, there was um, the gravel road of Lion Boulevard was complete. So they had a big ceremony and 61 cars paraded <laughs> around the boulevard and um, and then eventually um, the city constructed a bridge and in 1911 this was the Black Bay Bridge that was constructed on the current river. It was the first single span concrete bridge in Canada which is kind of cool and in 1936 the current river reservoir <laughs> was renamed to Boulevard Lake so that was due to the dam and the bridge and everything being over the reservoir and because it was this big I guess man-made offshoot they decided to rename it Boulevard Lake. Um, they also decreed that the pulpwood could no longer be kept in the lake so it was more of a like a public lake with a public park um, in 19th sorry yeah in 1936 they constructed a boathouse and dressing rooms and this was also the first year that swimmers were protected by a lifeguard <laughs> and then in 1937 a bathing hut was opened or sorry the bathing beach was opened so on one side there's like a public beach where you can go and swim and enjoy the beach there's also boat rentals um, rowboats canoes that you can rent on it there's like a big um, like raft I guess is sort of out in the middle of the lake um, where you can like swim out to it or take a boat out to it and dive off of it and it's got a little ladder that you can climb back up to get, get back on top of the raft. There's also a pretty big playground um, with swings and slides and jungle gym and all of that. And in 1969 they opened a miniature golf course at the lake and they also put in a bunch of lights and did a whole bunch of other more construction work to make it you know more nice and, and to clean it up a little bit for people. And then there's also um, when they put this in 2010, they put in a disc golf course <laughs> at the north end of the lake as well. So you can go there and play frolf or frisbee golf or disc golf or whatever you want to call it. So it's actually a really nice area to go. A lot of people go there to walk their dogs. There's the bluffs, which is kind of, I guess, like our makeout point, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, and the Cascades are out there as well. And it sort of is just, it's a really nice piece of nature. I mean, where I live... In northwestern Ontario, you're pretty much like surrounded by bush anyways. Like it's one town and then just bush <laughs> all around. So you drive maybe five minutes out of town and it's just forest trees, you know, bush straight through. So this is kind of part of that, but with within town. So there's houses that are like right across the street from it and right next to it. I mean, you could live across from this lake, but still be in town, be like a five minute drive to downtown. So it's it's just a really nice area. Um, like I said, a lot of people go there to to hang out and explore and, you know, kind of have like a little retreat. There's actually like a high school that's really close to there too. So, you know, it's nice for them to go there on your lunch break or whatever you can. I mean, you could go swimming at the beach on your lunch and then go back to school. So that's kind of, kind of a perk of it. Um, but what we're here to talk about is the weird circle. So 
this is something that gets discovered or has been discovered a few times, I guess, or maybe discovered and forgotten about and rediscovered. And every so often they end up draining the lake because there's the dam and the reservoir and the bridge and everything from the river. So you can kind of divert the water and they usually end up draining the lake, dredging the bottom of it for crud and garbage and silt and whatever else and then letting it fill back up. And every time it's drained, they see that there's this giant circle of rocks that is in the middle of the lake. And it's the span of it, of the, uh, the diameter of the circle, is between like 80 to 98 feet. So it's about 30, 30 meters, you know, in diameter. And it's made up of hundreds of rocks and some of them as large as 80 centimeters. So it's a big circle, big rocks, with a whole bunch of little rocks. And I guess that recently there was a bunch of um, uh, inquests or whatever <laughs> research into it in 2016 to try and figure out what this is. Why is there this giant rock formation and this man-made lake in town? Um, they, I guess it's kind of hard to determine where it came from because the way that the land sort of, I guess, acquired and then the water flooded it to make the man-made lake that they don't really know if the rocks were there beforehand or if they sort of, I guess, gathered from when it was flooded and somehow formed the circle if the water was current and draining. I don't know how that works. Or if, if this was just something that was man-made in between times when the lake was drained or if it was something that was made while the lake was full. Like, they don't really know when when the rocks came from and how they got there. Um, what they do know about this rock feature is that, I guess, for some time as the lake levels rise and fall, people have pointed it out, but no one has really, no one has really investigated it or looked at it to see why it's there, what it was used for, or anything like that. And in 2016, um, a local archaeologist decided, hey, I'm going <laughs> to take a look into this and see what's going on. Um, and with the use of drones, it was a lot easier to get overhead images. I mean, before you would have had to take, you know, a helicopter up <laughs> probably to take pictures. But now we have drones. So that's great technology and very might as well put it to use, right? So they took some new images and those are the ones that I'm going to have in the show notes and use for the cover art of the circle um, from overhead. And that was from when it was drained in 2016. Um, the circle, they say, is, is too big to serve as a teepee foundation. So with that goes the fact that in northwestern Ontario, there's a lot of Native Canadian Indigenous people colonies. Um, not colonies, but that's where, you know, they're from here. There's the, the reserves outside of town. There's the ones that are local. And they're the local people of, of the area, right? So with that, they have teepees. And I guess that that was one of maybe the initial theories was that it was a foundation for either a teepee or some kind of housing structure. But they say that, you know, it's it's too big to be that. Um, one of the other theories was that it was that it could have been a fish trap. Um, you know, the, the native peoples could have surrounded fish with a bunch of rocks and used it to sort of, I guess, corral them in. But they also think that, you know, meat, that's probably not very likely either. 
And then one of the other theories is that it was a formation that was most likely constructed on the bank of the river before the land was submerged. And once the land got submerged, the circle got submerged with it as well. But they don't really know, again, why why there's this formation of rocks, um, other than it was possibly created for some kind of ceremonial function. And that's sort of where they where they landed, I guess, with that theory, is that it had some kind of ceremonial function, possibly from the First Nations people that live here. Don't know why. Um, and I don't really know. See, I was trying to follow up on the story, and there hasn't really been any updates on it. And it's all sort of just speculation, I guess you could say, that like, there's no real definitive answer. So I don't know if the people investigating it actually went and spoke with First Nations people and asked them, the ones that are from here, the ones that are from, you know, possibly that area, if they even asked them, hey, do you know what this is? And that might be something that, you know, should be investigated more. Maybe, maybe I should go (laughs) and investigate it. Maybe I should be the one to discover what the truth of the circle is in Boulevard Lake. So as it stands, I mean, I guess they kind of figure it was some kind of ceremonial function, but they don't know what. So in looking into this a bit more, it kind of got me thinking about the other stone circles that are around the world. And, you know, there's a lot of famous ones in the UK and Europe and such. I mean, Stonehenge and other ones, right? And how, you know... Those are more, I guess, like the megalith structures, right? So they're really big, huge rocks, whereas the ones in our lake here are pretty small. Um, You know, some of them are 80 centimeters, but that's like, you know, two, three feet. It's not really big enough to be like on the same lines as something like Stonehenge or one of those ones where they're like, oh, how do people move these giant rocks to this place? This one would be easy. Like someone could go out there and easily make the circle, <laughs> you know, in a weekend or something when the lake's been dredged and it's emptied out, you could have two or three people go and make this in a night. It's, you know, one of those things. And I think with the size of the rocks too, it's not too far fetched to say that water could have moved them. Um, water tends to move things around it's one of the most powerful forces on earth and it totally could have moved these rocks there like i don't know if there's some weird drain that would like pull them to the middle of the lake and pull them in a circle and they never really looked to see where the rocks came from either so i think there's a lot of more research that could have been done into this but getting back to the other structures so i kind of wanted to look at that a bit right because i mean if we're talking stone circles let's let's talk stone circles and not as in a stoned circle or circle of stone people that's a different topic um so the megalith stone circle structures in the uk specifically come in a few different types there's recumbent stone circles and concentric stone circles so the recumbent stone circles um, are a variation containing a single large stone placed on its side the stones are often ordered by height with the tallest being the portals and gradually reducing heights around each side of the circle down to the recumbent stone, which is the lowest. The type is found throughout the British Isles with 71 examples in Scotland and at least 20 in Southwest Ireland, including Dromebeg Stone Circle near Roskerberry Co Creek, Cork, sorry. So in Cork and Ireland. 
Um, Scottish recumbent circles are usually flanked by the two largest of the standing stones immediately on either side. And these are known as flankers. <laughs> the stones are commonly graded in height, with the lowest stones being diametrically opposite to the tall flankers. It is fairly common for the circle to contain a ring, cairn, and cremation remains. So these ones are sort of, again, definitely ceremonial, but they're huge rocks. <laughs> they're not just little, you know, rocks that a regular person could pick up. Uh, the Irish recumbent stone circles are found in Cork and Kerry. There are no tall flanking stones on either side of the recumbent stone. Instead, there are two tall stones at the side of the circle opposite to the recumbent stone. These are known as portals. <laughs> they form an entrance into the circle, sort of like a doorway, I guess. Often the portals are turned so that their flat sides face each other rather than facing into the center of the circle. So these are the main circles that they have in Scotland and Ireland. And again, they're more thought for ceremonial use. Like, and I think that that's what they, you know, they say Stonehenge is as well. Like, it's a ceremonial thing. It's not just there for art or whatever, right? Um, so the concentric stone circle is a type of prehistoric monument consisting of a circular oval arrangement of two or more stones set within one another. They were in use in the late Neolithic to the end of the very early Bronze Age and again are found in England and Scotland. Cobble pavements have been found in the center of many examples. Connected features at some sites include central mounds, outlined standing stones, and avenues or circular banks on which stones are set. Alternatively, there may be replicas of earlier timber circles rebuilt in stone, especially the examples in Wessex. A funerary purpose is thought likely, especially by Burl, who cites in Cumbria as being an, an analogous to the curbs that surround some chamber tombs. Burials have been found at all excavated concentric stone circles, both inhum inhumations and cremations. Inhumations. Is that a burial, maybe? I don't know what that means. And <laughs> with the burnt remains, either within an urn or placed directly in the earth. So again, they're all thought to be ceremonial. And it kind of makes sense because as a human species, we <laughs> tend to build structures. And we build structures with stones and circles are sort of an easier thing to make for ceremonies. I mean, you're not going to be like, everybody stand in a square. Like, it's stand in a circle, right? So it would be the same kind of thing with if you're building a ceremonial structure, you're going to build it in a circle. But the difference is all these ceremonial ones in England, again, are huge stones and they have doorways built. So you have like the two stones standing up with the one across the top, portals, doorways, whatever you want to call them. And the circle that's here is just a bunch of smaller rocks in a circle. And it's, it's one of those things where like you look at it and it's no... There's no mistaking that it's a circle. It's not something where it kind of looks like a partial circle and there's, you know, a few rocks on one side and a few rocks on the other and maybe if you connect the dots, it turns into a circle. No, it's a full-on circle. It's not something that's, you know, mistakable for anything else. So that's what I find weird about it. It's just a really crazy weird stone circle. Still is yet unsolved. There really hasn't been any updates that I could find since a local archaeologist in 2016 wanted to look into this. It was a big story. It was on the news. He got his drone out. He was getting, you know, ideas from people and what they thought they could be, like different theories and researching them. And then nothing. So did he find the answer 
and disappear? <laughs> Is that what happened to him? He was never heard from again. Did he find the truth and it was hidden and covered up? Will we ever know? Should I go investigate it myself? You know, stay tuned for all these questions, <laughs> even though I'm not really going to have answers to them. Maybe I need to go investigate it myself. Maybe that's something I need to do. Um, so that's the end of my story of the Stone Circle in Thunder Bay. I apologize for this being a shorter episode. It is October. I have been busy with a whole bunch of Halloween stuff. Um, if you're following me on Instagram at Cherry Cyanide, you will see a bunch of makeups that I've been doing throughout the month. Um, October is a busy time for me as far as Halloween and makeup wise. So I'm trying to get podcasts in where I can and hopefully you enjoyed this little story of <laughs> the Boulevard Circle in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast apps. Just look for the podcast. And as well, the Podbelly Network. Check them out at podbelly.com on the internet for all your podcast needs and wants. And you can find my shop at shop.littlegeekloss.com with all my fun t-shirts as well as everything else, you know, for me at littlegeekloss.com on the internet. Check that out as well.